Welcome to the Merge Podcast. The Merge is the student ministry of the First Baptist Church, Barnwell, South Carolina. The mission of the Merge is to equip students to love God and His people. Here is student pastor Ryan Holtzclaw. So today we celebrate Mother's Day, and uh, as I was uh, getting ready for this morning's service, 
I came across a uh, kind of a humorous uh, couple of things that I wanted to read to you and share with you. Uh, while I'm reading this to you, you can join me in 1 Samuel. Uh, that's where we'll be at. But uh, I wanted to uh, read this to you. It's called, What My Mother Taught Me. And um, it says this, My mother taught me religion. Uh, when I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she instructed, You better pray that stain comes out of that carpet. Uh, my mother taught me logic uh, from her decisive words because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case, in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me irony. Keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about stamina. You sit there until that spinach is gone. My mother taught me about weather. Boy, it looks like a tornado swept through your room. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> you know, mothers are significant. They're needed. They're important. And they're ordained by God to do something uh, hard and awesome. Uh, I don't have to stand here and tell you that being a mom is a difficult task. Uh, of course, I myself have never been a mom. Uh, don't ever plan on being a mom, but, um, but I know what I put my mom through uh, while I was growing up. Uh, but there's one thing that I can certainly say about my own mom, and that's that uh, uh, never once did I ever doubt whether or not she loved me. And uh, me or my brother, either one, uh, never once in my life did I ever doubt what my mom would do for me or my brother. And uh, I'm blessed that, uh, that I have a mom who, uh, who always prayed for me, a mom that stood by me no matter what, uh, a mom that uh, disciplined me, uh, a mom that uh, worked hard to uh, make sure that my brother and I had everything that we could have and uh, everything that we needed, I should say. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love my mom for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons and the most largest reason that I love my mom is the fact that she taught me about Jesus Christ. And uh, my parents um, did a fantastic job uh, modeling for my brother and I what a godly marriage should look like. Um, it, it wasn't a marriage that was pretend that, you know, we never fight, we never do anything. Uh, my parents were always real in front of my brother and I. And uh, one of the realest things they were uh, was that they were dedicated to God and raising us in a godly home. And, um, and so I appreciate that. And uh, my mom was in the 940 service, so I've, I've had a lot of practice getting that ready. Um, so I can hit her up for something later today, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, um, this morning we're going to be continuing our series, Life's a Trip. And uh, we're going to be focusing in this morning on a, on a mother, one of the best mothers in the Bible, uh, a woman named Hannah. And uh, this morning, we want to see that Hannah was a mother who was on a mission. So um, uh, there in chapter 1 of uh, verse 1 Samuel, uh, I'm not going to read that whole story to you because she covers uh, the story of Hannah and Elkanah. that kind of covers all of chapter 1 and chapter 2. So I'm going to try to tell you the story. Uh, Hannah was one of two wives uh, that was married to a man named Elkanah. Uh, my dad and I were talking last night, actually, and was like, I can't understand why a man would want to have more than one wife. I said, me either, because that means he has to have more than one mother-in-law. And uh, <laughs> my dad said, shh, she's in the next room. And she was. My mother-in-law was in the other room, so I had to be quiet. But anyway, 
You know, in ancient Israel, children were, were more important uh, children were, were more than important. They were more than important. They were a, a symbol of fulfillment. Uh, but Hannah could not have children. So here she is. She, she has a, a kind of a competition going on with this other wife, right? They, they are at each other all the time. But, uh, and, and the other wife had children. Hannah did not. And, and so Hannah was pretty upset about that. And um, uh, it says in verse 6 of chapter 1 that, that Elkanah's other wife, she, she kept provoking Hannah, uh, intentionally trying to irritate her. She rubbed in her face all the time that she had children and Hannah did not. And so, uh, you know, year after year, when, when Hannah, uh, when Elkanah and, and Hannah and their family, they would go to Shiloh to, to worship God at the tabernacle, um, Hannah would meet family and friends and, and she would have to face the reality year in and year out that she was without child. And, and so for a woman back then, that was, uh, for herself, that was kind of a disgrace. She, she felt useless because she didn't have any children. And so because of this, Hannah became very bitter. Uh, she, the Bible says that she wept often. She would not eat. Uh, the Bible says that she was downhearted. And uh, in a prayer that she prayed to God, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, Hannah herself referred to her condition as misery. Hannah, Hannah was miserable. Her depression, it had blinded her. It had blinded her to the good things that life did offer. And, but she couldn't see those things because she was just blinded by the misery of not having kids. Uh, at one point in time, uh, in verse 8, Elkanah, uh, his love for Hannah was, was demonstrated uh, when he tried to encourage her to eat and not cry. And, and he said, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And, and Hannah said, no, you, you don't. I want children. And, um, and, and so in the beginning of verse 10 of chapter 1, Hannah, Hannah begins to demonstrate to us the faith of a woman that all women should have. Uh, she is one of the great women of faith, and as part of that is because of this prayer. You see, she didn't get bitter with God. She went to God in prayer. She went to God and she began begging God and asking God and requesting from God that he bless her with a son. And, and so in part of her prayer in verse 11, she says, God, if you give me a son, I promise I will give him back to you. You give me a son and I'll give him back to you. And so uh, Hannah's saying this prayer and the Bible says that her, her lips were moving but that, but that the prayer was really coming from her heart. That's in verse 13. And so she's praying and I, and I imagine Hannah at the steps of the tabernacle and she is just laid out sobbing and crying, begging God to give her a child. And, and the high priest of the time, Eli, was, was sitting by the doorstep uh, or the doorstop of the, of the tabernacle. And he looked at her and he saw her. And the first thing that he thought was, well, this woman's drunk. Because he saw her mouth moving. He couldn't hear her. He saw her mouth moving and he just, he thought she was talking this nonsense. And so he looked at her and he said, well, when are you going to get off the alcohol? And, and she looked at him and she said, well, I'm not drunk. And she told him what she was praying about. And, and Eli says, well, may, may you go in peace and may God grant you your request. And, and so Hannah, 
For whatever reason, she took Eli's blessing upon her. She took that with assurance that God was going to answer her prayer. And so it says that when she went back to the festival where they were uh, eating and worshiping God and stuff, she was happy. It said that frown had turned upside down. You know, she, was, she was happy. And, and so uh, she was excited. She wasn't depressed anymore. And, and then as we'll see several years later, God indeed grants her request and he gives her a child. But Hannah uh, keeps her promise and she gives that child right back to God. And, and, so, and so this morning, we, we, there's some things that we can see about Hannah and, uh, uh, and, and the way the, her motherly, uh, her faith through, through being a mother, we can, we can see that. And, and the fact of the matter is that Hannah was a, a woman on a mission to serve God. And so as we continue with our Life as a Trip series this morning, uh, I want you to understand that, that Hannah uh, was a woman who prayed. She turned over the answer to God. And because of that, God blessed the world. You see, there are four important examples that we can take away from Hannah's example of a blessing mother who was on a mission to please God. And the first thing is this, a, bless, a blessing mother extends vibrant prayers. If you would look at chapter 1, verse 10 of 1 Samuel, it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. You know, Hannah like I said, didn't get mad at God. She just went to him in prayer. You know, Hannah had a good reason to, to feel discouraged and bitter. She was unable to bear children. She shared her husband with another woman who constantly made fun of her. And, and her husband could do, uh, really couldn't do anything to solve her problem. Um, but instead of retaliating and going against God, she instead prayed to him. And so what all mothers should learn from Hannah is that you must pray passionately for your children. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul reminds us that we are to pray without ceasing. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. The mother of John and Charles Wesley was known for spending an hour a day praying for her 17 children. She just... She just covered them in prayer. A mom that truly understands what being a mom is about is a mom that constantly prays for her children. And when a godly mother is praying, she's not just praying random things. She's being very specific in her prayers. She's asking for specific things from God. Uh, Philippians 4, 5 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A godly mother will specifically pray for her child. Some of the things that a godly mother will pray about will be for the knowledge of God to be in their child. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. So as a mother, when you bend your knees and, and you, you pray before God, your prayer may sound something like, Father God, in the busyness of their lives, may my children have quiet moments in which they think and reflect on you. 
May they study your word, God. May they be in prayer with you constantly. God, let them know who you are. Another thing that a godly mother will pray about is for the salvation of her child. She will pray that God, God's grace will fall upon that child and that child will accept Christ as their savior and they will live a life on mission. A godly mother will pray for their future. She will pray that, that God has laid out this beautiful future for their child, for her child, and that that child will, will, will follow that path that God has laid out. The fourth thing a godly mother could pray for is spiritual and emotional growth. And then last, a mother could specifically pray for their child to be loving and giving toward others. Love God and love people should be that prayer. You know, these are only five examples of specific things that a godly mother should be praying about as it pertains to your child. But, but this, so the question this morning that, that we want to ask you is, on a scale of one to ten, how specific are you in praying for your children? And, and what do you need to be praying about? Or what do you need to be praying for your child? The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that Hannah was a blessing, as a blessing mother, gives up her child to the Lord. Verses 24 through 28, it says, when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving to the Lord, I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. You know, in Samuel 1.11, Hannah committed to God that if God would bless her with a child, she would return that son to him. If he would bless her with this child, she would give that back to God. The one thing that Hannah wanted more than anything in the world was to have a child. But she was willing to take that child and present him back to God. And that's exactly what she did. Hannah was not really giving up her son. She was merely returning him to God for God to be able to use him for his will and his purposes. Hannah understood that God had given her Samuel not for her purposes, but for his. And so she was taking, God, taking this child and returning him back to God. You see, you parents, all of you should see yourselves as stewards. A steward is someone who performs a job for another person. So you must recognize, as Hannah did, that your children do not belong to you. They belong to God. You are merely raising your children for him. You're raising your children so that uh, God can do something awesome and great with that child. Moms, your parenting and dads, your parenting changes when you realize that you're not just raising a child, you are raising a missionary, a missionary to be on, on point, on purpose for God, to do something great for God. And if you're not raising them to do this, nobody else will. You can't expect to bring your child to the church and us to develop or, or teach them everything that needs to be taught, they need to see it in you. They need to see it in you. They need for you to teach them. 
They need for you to teach them about worshiping God and living a life of, uh, filled with, uh, with Christ's spirit. When you begin thinking in this manner, when you give your, uh, give your child up to God, you may say, find yourself saying, man, this is, this is really not what I want for my kid. I don't want my kid to marry that joker. But God may want him to. And so you're willing to allow that to happen. Or you may say, I don't really want you to go and do that. I don't want you to be that. But if that's what God wants for you, then I'm all right with it. As hard as it is to accept, we must understand that God knows what to do with your child far better than you do. You must be willing to step aside and allow God to use your child for whatever is necessary for his purposes and for his glory. Suppose, suppose I built from scratch an antique car. You know, I, putting that car together, I will know every bolt, where every bolt goes. I'll know exactly how that engine is to work. I'll know everything that there is to know about that car. And so if that car breaks down, because I know everything there is to know about that car, I'm not going to let a stranger come in and work on that car. I know that car better than anybody. God knows your child better than anybody. God knows your child better than you do. You think you know your child, but you don't know how many hairs is on his or her head. God does. God knows your child better than you do. And you should and must dedicate yourself to giving this child back to God for his service. You see, Samuel represented the very best that Hannah possessed. But she was willing to dedicate her son to the God that she loved and worshiped. She did not cling to him. She released him to God. And because of that, God did some amazing things in the life of Samuel. So parents, don't hold your children back from doing what God is calling them to do. The third thing that we can take from Hannah is that a blessing mother worships the Lord, not her child. In 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, right after Hannah has given Eli, I mean given Samuel right back to Eli, dedicated him back to God, we have a prayer that that Hannah just sings to God. And it's not a prayer of remorse or regret, but it's a prayer of worship and praise. God had answered her request and she knew that God was so great and good and that God was gonna do something awesome through, through this child. And so she is singing these praises to God. Hannah worshiped God, not Samuel. And it would have been easy for her to do so. It would have been really easy for her to worship Samuel, but she didn't. Hannah worshiped God in this prayer. It, this is also, uh, you can find the same uh, almost prayer in Luke 1, 46 through 55, where Mary says a similar to prayer con uh, concerning Jesus. And, and see, what we understand here is that, um, as these two women did, is that one day your child will leave you. Your child will leave you, but God never will. Hannah understood that God would never let her down. And unfortunately, sometimes kids let you down. But she understood that God would not let her down. And so she placed her faith and all of her worship in him. 
You know, you can worship the Lord through raising your child and making them a priority. But when your world centers around your child, rather than your relationship with Christ, that's when you start to get in trouble. When you make a child, your child the focal point of your life and forget that God has to be number one, that God has to be the center of, of that relationship, even in the bringing up of your child. When you forget that, then oftentimes what happens is that you will find yourself becoming a best friend parent to your child. You, will, you would rather become their best friend than actually raise them the way they need to be raised. A recent study indicated that 43% of all parents would rather be their child's best friend than to be their parent. What happens is that mom and dad begin to strive to be the child's best friend and they forget about disciplining the child and they forget about discipling the child. A best friend parent doesn't give their child rules and they don't tell them what to do. Instead, they just hand them everything on a silver platter. They, they let their child do whatever their child wants to do. A best friend parent is the one that goes out and buys all the alcohol and invites the kids' friends over to the house and, and has a party and, and allows the kid and his buddies or her buddies to, to drink at their home. That's a best friend parent. A best friend parent has no rules. A best friend parent allows their child to stay out all hours of the night because you want that child to like you. You want that child to appreciate you and love you. And you don't, it doesn't matter about God. But understand this, the devotion of a godly mother recognizes the Lord's standing. Hannah saw God's holiness. She saw that no one could compare to, to God, not even Samuel. A godly mother worships God and God alone. She worships God and loves her children, not the other way around. Hannah recognized God as her rock, her foundation. She understood that he is faithful and steadfast. Hannah recognized the fact that God is bigger than anything or anyone she could see around her. She knew that she could take no pride in Samuel. She did not worship her child. She worshiped God. And the last example that we can take from Hannah is that a blessing mother is blessed. 1 Samuel 2, verses 20 through 21. It's, uh, remember, Hannah, even after she had uh, dedicated Samuel to Eli, she still went and saw him every year and she would take him a coat. And so on one occasion, that's what was happening. And, uh, and so in verse 20, um, we see this. It says, before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord gave Hannah three sons, two daughters. And meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. You know, God honored the desires of this faithful mother. We never hear about Elkanah's other wife again. But the story of Hannah and her faith in God and the story of Samuel is very much well known. What Samuel did, how God used Samuel to anoint the first king of Israel 
is very much well known. Samuel stood as a, uh, in this, in, as a transitional figure in between the great judges of the Old Testament and the kings of Israel. God used Samuel to do some awesome things. And it was because those things that God used Samuel for, that's how he, in one way, blessed Hannah. You know, when you give your child up for God and you don't worship your child, but you worship God and you pray consistently and passionately for your child, you will see God do amazing things. Who knows, your child, God may bless you through your child by, by giving your child the ability to go out and be the one to go into the medical field to cure all forms of cancer. Because you were willing to let your child go and do that instead of holding them back and clinging to them. You allow God to do something great for him or her. See, a, a, a blessing mother will understand that, that God, when he creates each one of us, he gives us something great to do. He gives us the abilities to solve problems, to fix things. God, God creates that within us. And what we have to do or what you have to do as parents is guide them based on God's desire for them. You guide them and you teach them to always follow God's will and God's desires and they can, they can fulfill what he has laid out for them to do. Mom, if you dedicate yourself to be a mother who blesses her child by praying for him, by giving up your child to God, by worshiping God and not your child, then God demonstrated through Hannah that you will have a great chance of receiving an awesome blessing. God gave her five more kids. She wasn't supposed to have any more children. She wasn't supposed to have one. She was barren. But God gave her five more kids because she was faithful to him. You know, we must, as a church, intentionally and specifically be praying for these same things for the community around us. See, this isn't just a mom and dad task. It's important to do these things in your home. But as a church family, we need to be praying for our community. We need to be taking our community and laying it into the hands of God. We need to learn that God is the only one that deserves our worship and not this world around us. And when we start doing that and we start living out and doing what a lot of you have been doing the last several weeks by saying this prayer of God, show me somebody that I can bless today. When you start doing that, God is going to overwhelm you with blessings. Habakkuk 1.5, God says this. He says, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God has just poured out his love on us, his love for us. He has just poured it out to us. And he wants us to take that love and pour it out to other people, whether it be our children in our homes or, or people around the community. God wants us to pour out that love for others. And the fact is this, when we start doing that, God will give to us and this community and to your home. It'll blow your mind what God will do. Because the fact is, is you cannot outgive God.
You cannot outgive God. And that's my challenge for you this morning. If, if you're parents and you're, and you're here and you're raising your kids and, and you're not praying for them, pray for them. If, if you haven't dedicated them to God, if you're still trying to hold on to them as tight as you possibly can, give them over to God. Trust him. If you are one that has taken your child and, and you've made your child the top priority of your life, stop. Make God that priority. And then sit back and watch God as he pours out and gives his blessing to you. As a community, we've gotta be doing the same thing. If you're not saying the prayer every day, I challenge you, say that prayer. Say that prayer. God will reveal to you ways of you being able to bless people that you never could have imagined. Thursday night, Emily and I were on our way back from Aiken. And, uh, and Emily is, I am the free spender of our family. Emily is not. And so she always wants to make sure that it's okay with me if she spends money, which makes me feel like a tyrant, but that's her decision, it ain't mine. I don't care if she spends money for the most part. But Thursday night, we're coming back from Aiken and she says, you know, I, God laid something on my heart. And she said, I don't know if we should do it or not, but he laid something on my heart. And I said, well, what did he lay on your heart? And she said, I was driving by uh, Fuller Park the other day and I saw all those teenage boys up there and those guys up there playing basketball. And she said, I thought, man, how cool would it be to go buy them something to drink and just show up with it? And I, I said, well, why didn't you do it? And she said, well, I, I just wasn't sure if we could spend that money. And I said, well, Emily, you just answer God's, do it. And so Emily and I went up there Thursday night to Fuller Park and we've stalked those guys for about 10 minutes and we counted them. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking we were doing, but anyway, we were just sitting out there counting them. And then we went down to sports and bought them Gatorades. Walked up there, sat out in the middle of the court, uh, full of, a cooler full of uh, Gatorade, uh, about 20 guys. And we said, come get you something to drink. And uh, two of those guys were students of Emily's. And they just could not believe that a teacher uh, would do that for them. It's so amazing what God will show you and reveal to you when you start praying that prayer. Pray that prayer for your children and pray that prayer for the community. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for the opportunity this morning to be able to share your word. And God, thank you for the gift of mom. God, thank you that you have provided uh, within women a an ability, God, to take care of us, to nurture us and uh, love us and uh, always be there for us. God, there's some parents this morning that they really don't pray for their child. They don't specifically spend time with their child in prayer. They don't pray for their child outside of the home. They don't, they don't do anything, Lord. But God, this morning, you've convicted them about that. And God, give them the conviction that they need in order to be able to repent from doing that and to begin praying fervently for their children. God, there's parents that are here that have just, they're trying their best to hold on to their child. But God, convict that parent of that and say, you gotta give that child to me and I'll do something great with them. God, there's parents that are here that worship their child instead of you. And God, you need to convict their hearts about that. So Father, this morning, that is my prayer. Convict those that need to be convicted. Bring them to repentance, God, and let them start living a life 
looking to bless their children through this prayer. God, I pray for our community. Let us as a church family be out there with our eyes and and our minds, God, saying this prayer and then with our eyes looking for somebody that you will put in front of us to bless and then, God, responding to you. Let us be doing that, God, so that you can blow our minds and do something that this community has never seen before and it bring glory to you and your name alone, God. Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand together if you would. Brian will be down front. If anybody has a decision to make, you can come down and share with him. He'd be glad to pray with you. Let's sing. seat for a moment. Um, want to remind you that if you have uh, purchased barbecue or chicken, uh, a hash or, and rice uh, for our, uh, from, our, from our Belize fundraiser, uh, that is ready now. And uh, so as soon as church is over, just head down to the activity center and uh, pick up your plates. Uh, they'll be down there. You just tell somebody what you, what, you pay, what you got. If you haven't paid them yet, go ahead and give them the money there, and, and, uh, and then you'll get, uh, get your food. But uh, that's in the activity center, and they'll be down there until about 1 o'clock. Um, the other thing I want to remind you about is that two weeks from today, um, we're going to be having one large worship service at 11 o'clock to uh, honor all of our graduates. Um, so that'll be a special morning. I think our children are singing and, uh, we'll be also honoring our little bitty graduates from the CDC, I believe. And so, uh, we'll be honoring our high school grads and our college grads. It's going to be a great morning. And, uh, also that morning, you're going to hear something pretty special that's going on in the student ministry. Uh, we're kind of relaunching some, something that, uh, that we'd started on back in the fall. And, and I'm really excited, uh, that a couple of our, uh, uh leaders are going to be sharing with you on that. But um, the other thing is this, uh, sign-ups right now are, are just starting for the church-wide mission trip, and uh, next week, um, Frank Mayfield will be up here to, uh, to make an announcement about that, but he said this morning that you can go online. Now, I guess go to the church website. You can go to the church website and register for that. And uh, he said that when you click submit on there, if you fill out your information, you click submit, that it's... Uh, kind of confusing because it's going to stay on that page with all your information. He said he got, he'll get the, the, the information, so don't click it more than once. And we don't want to confuse Frank. So um, anyway, uh, so go ahead and go do that now. Next week, there'll be a testimony f- uh, from the church that uh, the church-wide mission trip will be held at. It's going to Rock Hill. And so you'll be hearing from them 
uh, next week. But uh, other than that, that's all I got. And uh, that's it. So we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to be here in your house this morning and to, uh, to worship you and serve you, God. And, uh, Father, just to, uh, to honor our moms. And, uh, God, it's, it's just great uh, to be able to be here and do that. Um, Lord, I pray for uh, just a special day today. And, uh, God, we, uh, we thank you for allowing us to be here today to worship you, God. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Merge Podcast. For more information about the Merge Student Ministry, please go to www.mergestudents.com.